Hey everyone, or should I say, Merry Hey Everyone. Today's book is a Christmas classic featuring a thieving monster who then eats dinner with his victims. Also, I think it should be called How the Grinch Did Not Steal Christmas because the point of the whole story is that he didn't. Today's book is How the Grinch Stole Christmas by asterisk Dr. Seuss. <laughs> and this is The Book Pile. A podcast about the best of books and the worst of books. If this is your first time to the podcast, welcome. And may we suggest that you check out our back catalog of over 160 books. We've covered everything from The Hobbit to A Room of One's Own to Hamlet to Goodnight Moon to Roasting Jaws, Twilight, and The Da Vinci Code. So there's something for everyone, unless you hate Shakespeare, Tolkien, and Virginia Woolf, but love Stephanie Meyer. (laughs) This book really does have something for everyone because this book works for you whether you love or hate Christmas. <laughs> I'm Kellen Erskine. I'm a comic, a father, and I think that the real moral of The Grinch is that who's are better than people because as a human father, if I woke up Christmas morning to find that the pricey gifts that I made and purchased for my family had been stolen... <laughs> I would probably spend the day talking to law enforcement rather than singing with the community. (laughs) I do think it's funny that every Hollywood producer knows that in your movie, if someone learns the true meaning of Christmas, you are going to sell so much merch. (laughs) And I'm David Vance. Kellen, today I made a couple Grinch thought experiments. And I realized that when someone tells me they have a thought experiment... I know I'm about to be bored, and they're about to think they're smarter than me, but these are different cool thought experiments. <laughs> All right, if you want to give us a Christmas present this year, feel free to leave us a rating and a review. Uh, here's a recent five-star review from Snissy Flynn. I hope that's not one of those things where they're making me say a swear word, like when Bart <laughs> calls Mo. I love your podcast, and I found it on a podcast Kellen was in. You guys, uh, so thanks to me. Uh, You guys are so fun, and I look forward to when you guys release one. Also, I know Dave wrote Studio C sketches and Freelancers, and I love them. Please read it in the next episode and tell Matt Meese I said hi if you can't. Oh, it's it's like a real personal (laughs) message toward the end. Yes, Matt Meese, Snissy Flynn says hi. (laughs) Uh, If you are doing last-minute Christmas shopping, then we've posted once again a link to my escape room, and we are describing it as an escape room that contains a whole universe. So you are entering this magical world with a comic book and a movie, and then for the story to keep going, you and your kids have to solve these escape room puzzles. So yeah, we really hope you like it. And they really are great. Uh, I got one uh, in November, and my boys had such a great time with them over the course of a few days, which I I really enjoyed that, that it wasn't just like 20 minutes and they were done. It was like this ongoing activity for a good portion of the week, and they, uh, they had a blast, and I had a blast watching them. Thank you. That's very nice. Also, real quick, before we dive into this book and some other holiday fun, we just want to remind you that if you need another Christmas gift to give, uh, you can get a personalized video from me and Dave on our Patreon shop page. Give us the name of your loved one and any special information on them, and Dave and I will record and send a one- to two-minute video. 
And do we tickle? Do we tickle the person? <laughs> What's the tier where we tickle them? <laughs> also, you could join our Patreon for just $6 a month. And along with supporting the podcast, you get access to fun perks such as exclusive mini episodes every week. Lately on those, I've posted audio from some of my recent stand-up shows, which I'm not posting anywhere else. Uh, and there are also other benefits such as a live Zoom hangout, which is happening this week or possibly next week. So if that sounds fun to you, we invite you to join us. All right, and without further ado, here are three lessons we took from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. All right, lesson one. Sometimes you just don't know why you like something. <laughs> I first thought of this principle when I was trying to rationalize why American cheese is gross except for on cheeseburgers. <laughs> to me. It's because you have to fully lean into the depravity. <laughs> You know how some foods make you feel gross unless you're eating them at 2 a.m.? <laughs> I'm being serious. Like, sometimes you have to, like, fully go for it. I say that I hate Cheetos, but I have on occasion, like, come back from a show after midnight and walked into a Marriott, <laughs> like, where the little marketplace thing is, and, like, looked around furtively and grabbed some Cheetos and a Pepsi. I don't get how people can see Cheetos and then try to claim there's no such thing as American cuisine. <laughs> so I know on this podcast, we often analyze fiction in a way that's personal. You know, like, what does this book mean to me and why? And it's usually helpful and interesting, like when I realize that Ray Bradbury's Rocket Man story affected me, because I, I realize I see myself in the protagonist's dilemma, even though he has a job that do doesn't even exist in reality. Mm -hmm. Or like when you, Dave, realized after careful analysis that you actually didn't like Murder on the Orient Express, but you still made me read it before telling me. <laughs> That's the trouble with stuff that you liked as a 13-year-old, because <laughs> it's like, did I like it because it's core to me, or did I like it because I was in my idiot stage? <laughs> I just love this book, and maybe it's because it takes me back to being a kid at Christmas, or maybe it's because the houses in it seem so cozy, covered in that smooth, goopy Dr. Seuss snow, and I grew <laughs> up where it didn't snow. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's because the who hash sounded good to me. I don't, I don't really know, but there's... There's almost sort of a relief to not knowing and just enjoying something. Yeah. I will say it's it's been real weird spending Christmas time in California because on Studio C, when we did Christmas sketches, we would have to film them like during the summer. And so I was aware that it was supposed to be Christmas, but it just felt fake because there was no snow. And now oh. I'm here where there's just no snow during actual Christmas. It's funny because I just directed this episode uh, of a cartoon series and it was a Christmas episode. And halfway through it, the creative director was like, we need to add snow in all of these exterior shots. And I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it's just funny because half of the world doesn't experience snow during Christmas. Actually, that's not even true. It's three quarters of the world because it's half of this hemisphere doesn't experience snow. And then the entire southern hemisphere <laughs> has Christmas in the summer. <laughs> right. So I'm so I'm not sure how much snow actually is required to make Christmas relatable. <laughs> the only weather changing I've seen here is that the office I work in has a palm tree right in front of it. And the other day as I was writing it, a man shimmied up to the very top and cut everything off the palm tree and it was horrifying <laughs> to watch. <laughs> so you're saying that's like autumn for palm trees? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
just as snow falls to the ground in Idaho, <laughs> here leaves and fronds fall down through the sky that you hope is not also full with a falling man. <laughs> Those are the most terrifying leaves because <laughs> they're sharp <laughs> and the size of a person. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no one would pile those up and then jump into them. <laughs> <laughs> also, speaking of who hash, I've read this book for 30 years and didn't realize till today that either this town is just weird about naming foods or Whoville has a very dark secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because these people are called who's, like that's their species. <laughs> yeah. But then they still eat things like who hash, who pudding, who roast beast. <laughs> that's like saying for dinner, hey, let's have some human pizza. <laughs> Someone else is like, no, let's have like some human turkey and human stuffing. <laughs> Don't forget the people gravy. <laughs> Yeah, does it occur to the Grinch that maybe they're singing because it's part of some dark ritual? <laughs> oh, man. In Dr. Seuss's first draft of this book, it actually ended with an extra line where someone in the crowd slowly picked up the first stone. <laughs> <laughs> the Grinchery. <laughs> All right, lesson two. Is this character too weird for Christmas? So, Kellen, one of my favorite things about Christmas is how weird all the different Christmas fables are. <laughs> like, imagine if during Ramadan, they had a story about a funny green guy who comes down and steals Ramadan. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, that fits the holiday. <laughs> and I wish I could see archaeologists in a thousand years trying to piece together our Christmas characters, almost like the Greek pantheon. Like, okay, there's a green guy who steals Christmas and a skeleton who steals Christmas and two guys who try to steal Christmas, but a child beats the crap out of them. And there's like a sad bald kid and snow that became sentient and a good Santa and also an evil Santa who's like a scary Bavarian goat. And there's an angel who makes you never be born in a good way and ghosts who haunt you in a good way. And an uncanny valley train conductor who haunts you in a bad way. And like a bunch of British people cheating on each other. And there's maybe a guy walking on glass. Scholars can't agree. And there's three guys so out of touch with women that right after the worst childbirth, they give the mom perfume. <laughs> Just like perfume and jewelry. You know what first time moms with no anesthetic want. <laughs> So, Kellen, I want to play a game called Is This Character Too Weird for Christmas? Where we pitch a character and decide if it has legs. Okay. So my first one is Penny the Pine Tree. She is a quaint and spunky pine who loves the holidays. One December, a family chops her down for a Christmas tree, and she learns all about the true meaning of Christmas, and she also dies a torturous death. <laughs> Could that character take off? <laughs> I, yeah, I love the idea, too, of that uh, that family that procrastinates and, and keeps their tree up, like, through January and just prolongs <laughs> the death of this poor yeah, thing. she's, like, <laughs> slowly watching them take down all the other decorations, but she has to stay there. <laughs> she gets to see her pine tree companions laid out to rest on the street <laughs> with the blessed relief of death. <laughs> All right, my next one is the Christmas slug. They are just your standard slug doing slug stuff, 
and the movie comes out in July and all the marketing has Christmas in it and no one knows why. <laughs> I think that could work because because there are some stories like Good King Wants Us Last where you're done reading it and you're like, I think this is just something that happened during the winter. <laughs> but they're just lumping it into the seasonals. Yeah. <laughs> The the comedian Matt Rogers has a song called Also It's Christmas, where it's just about him meeting strangers at a club, but then the chorus says, also it's Christmas. <laughs> so now this will be a seasonal Christmas song. Um, and I've just got uh, Leggy the Stocking Warmer. So <laughs> every Christmas Eve, when the children go to bed, Leggy comes out of the heater vent in the living room. <laughs> and he shoves his feet into your empty stockings so they're warm for Santa. <laughs> Why does this guy feel like a pervert? I don't know. That's your mind, Dave. <laughs> He's just helping Santa out. Why does Santa need the stockings to be warm? Because stockings can be cold, you know. He's trying to shove in toys and stuff, and he's like, brr. <laughs> but because Leggy has been there first. Uh-huh. What, wait, what does Leggy look like? Oh, that's up to your imagination. <laughs> I sort of imagine like like a Yuletide Slender Man. <laughs> Kellen, nothing is stopping you from telling your kids this is a real person. <laughs> Parents with kids at home, please tell your kids about Leggy the Stocking Stuffer. Just include it in your traditional Christmas storytelling, and then please let us know how it goes. <laughs> and then, then every Christmas morning, you run down there with your kids and they, like touch the stockings. Oh, I can... <laughs> it's still They're warm. still warm. <laughs> Thanks, Leggy. <laughs> the presents are there, the cookies are eaten, and your stocking has like two toenails. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, if we ever make book pile merch, should we make Leggy the stocking stuffer merch? It's Leggy the stocking warmer. <laughs> stocking warmer. <laughs> and that's that's why you get coal from Santa if you're bad because Leggy he won't even put his his foot in your <laughs> stocking if you don't deserve it. So Santa's like, this stocking needs to be heated up, and he just drops coal in it yeah. to start that process. The only way to warm it up is fossil fuels. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lesson three. You don't have to be great at poems to write poetry. So I'm mostly making fun, but a few years ago I tweeted the joke, Dr. Seuss cheated at poetry and became a millionaire. And no one, uh, no one cared for that. <laughs> but like I said, I'm mostly making fun. He sticks to traditional meters, and he is very good at it. But there mm. are times where I think he just makes up a creature because he doesn't want to have to spend the time thinking of a word that rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> and he cheats a couple of times in this book. And the worst one to me is, quote, and he stuffed them in bags. Then the Grinch very nimbly stuffed all the bags one by one up the chimbly. <laughs> like, come on. That is not. <laughs> come on, Doc. <laughs> I know you have to know the rules to break them, but this isn't even really breaking a rule. Like he's he's using a real word, but just changing the last half of it. <laughs> That would be like, imagine a poem like, I fell in love in San Francisco. 
Blue eyes and gentle hands, Francisco. <laughs> oh, man. Hans Francisco is Leggy's sidekick. <laughs> Leggy's best friend. <laughs> Hans Francisco makes the cookies warm before they go in Santa's mouth. Oh, gross. <laughs> All right, random facts. So, Kellen, the Grinch is kind of like this buddy of mine. So this buddy, he was hanging out with friends one time and he bit into a peach and he said, you know that like tingly burning feeling you get when you eat a peach? And his friends were like, no. And that's how he found out he's allergic to peaches. Oh, no. <laughs> I think the Grinch isn't a story about Christmas. It's a story about a man and dog who don't realize they have superpowers because they... <laughs> They ransack every house in town, top to bottom, in one night, mm -hmm. and then drag the biggest sleigh you ever saw straight up a cliff. <laughs> and also remember, this is what the Grinch can do while his heart is still small. Imagine <laughs> him now. But Kellen, if you were a superhero, what do you think you would do with your power? I saw someone point out that Superman could use his power to give the world endless clean energy and drag billions out of poverty, <laughs> but instead he fights criminals one at a time. <laughs> I think if I had superpowers, if I'm honest with myself, I think I would try to crush a ton of dreams at once by seeing if I could win every gold medal. <laughs> Just no other human man ever wins another gold medal. Oh, that that's such a smart way of doing it. So keeping it a secret, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I think about that all the time. I'd be like, man, I would dominate the NBA. <laughs> If I had Superman's powers and how bewildering to be a seven footer and someone who looks like me is killing you. No other team would ever connect on an inbounds pass again. <laughs> oh man, that must have been how Airbud felt. <laughs> that is a thought experiment I sometimes do where I look at a sport and I say, how much slower would time have to move for me to have a chance against professional athletes? <laughs> like the 100 meter dash is easy. You just take your 100 meter time, compare it to Usain Bolt's and that's like a ratio, right? Mm -hmm. But then like basketball, like if time slowed down for me, so it was almost like Earth had the moon's gravity mm -hmm. and these giant tree trunk people are like moving <laughs> in slow motion. I think I could like weave around them and jump way up and dunk over them. <laughs> The way that I would cheat at the Olympics is that when everyone goes in for drug testing, I would have the power to create uh, illegal steroids in their blood. <laughs> I love that in this scenario, you don't even need them to be DQ'd, but it's just fun for you to race against an empty field. Yeah. <laughs> I just win because I'm the only one there. <laughs> <laughs> but then it would be even better because I would do everything very poorly <laughs> <laughs> and still win. Like the long jump, I would just sort of trip and fall in the sand. <laughs> Gold medal. <laughs> For the high dive, I would just do like a cannonball. <laughs> I, I had a friend freshman year who had a recorded negative vertical because wow. in his gym class, he touched as high as he could touch. And then he did the thing where you run and jump and he touched lower than his standing height. <laughs> <laughs> it 
in the newest animated Grinch movie, which I also enjoy, um, they filled a, a plot hole, much like how Rogue One retroactively strengthened that story beat from A New Hope about the Death Star's weakness. Because in the first few lines of The Grinch, when it's listing off the reasons The Grinch hated Christmas, it reads, it could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But if you look at him, he's just naked. He's just a green, hairy guy. Oh, wow. But in the new cartoon movie, it shows him getting dressed and his shoes just look exactly like his feet. (laughs) (laughs) And he puts them on over his feet. It's just sort of like how the Hobbit actors in Lord of the Rings wore those big, hairy feet over their regular feet. And (laughs) don't you feel like that was a missed merch opportunity? (laughs) Like, (laughs) forget a ring or Gandalf's hat, like... Give me some hairy feet shoes so I can make everyone in a Chili's uncomfortable. (laughs) I would buy them for Ummy now that she's finally watching Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Her feet are just covered in hair and they're white. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, we find that the real reason he hates Christmas is not his shoes. It's that his heart is two sizes too small. So actually, I think it's just that he has cardiomyopathy, which I want to be clear on this podcast, we do not agree that this can be cured simply by realizing that Christmas doesn't come from a store. I don't know. So please, no. Don't use this as a solution. (laughs) Not a joke. Genuinely, every time I meet someone with heart complications, I tell them that Christmas doesn't come from a store. (laughs) And I tell them Christmas means a little bit more. But then they have the problem of their heart now being too big. <laughs> oh, what have you done to me? <laughs> so I have, a, I have a quick gift-giving story. When Dave and I were backstage uh, recording our last live episodes of Angels and Demons and uh, The Force Awakens, I got this uh, book out that I, I got for Dave as a gift uh, by Bill Watterson and another artist. Uh, it's not Calvin and Hobbes. It's called The Mysteries. And I said, hey, I got this for you as a gift. And Dave said, I already have that. <laughs> oh, you were trying to give that to me as a gift? That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I understood that. Oh, okay. Well, that, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Here's what I remember you saying. I thought you said, hey, have you read this? And I was like, yeah, I did. (laughs) Oh. I did not realize. (laughs) I just thought you had it with you because you were reading it. Oh, no. I mean, it still had like the cardboard band over the back of it and everything. Yeah. Oh, I said, (laughs) I said, you must not have heard the first part because I said, I got this for you as a gift. Have you read this? And that's you probably just heard. Have you read this? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay. Well, that feels better. (laughs) I'm so glad you told this story. Wait, are there other stories where I gave you grave offense and then you never followed up with it? So now just neither of us knows if it's a misunderstanding. (laughs) I just assumed that that was how you were treated reading me. <laughs> I thought you were starting a conversation because we both love Bill Watterson. Oh, oh no. my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> well, it is a great move though. I'm going to start using that on people. <laughs> starting this Christmas, whatever I get, I'm just going to say I already have one. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that does make me paranoid because I'm like, how many other times do I just mishear someone (laughs) or misunderstand and behave in the totally wrong way? (laughs) Have I told you the story of my best friend, first through third grade? 
No. So I had the same best friend first through third grade. We were in all the same classes together. End of third grade, my family is moving. So it's my last day of school there in Washington. And he and I ride the bus home together. So we're walking out to the bus the final time. And he's like, "Uh, David, goodbye hug. And I was like, no way, man. I get onto the bus. I turn around. He's gone. I didn't realize his mom was driving him home that day. (laughs) That's how I said goodbye to my best friend of three years. I thought he was doing a bit. And then I just never saw him again. (laughs) It makes me so sad every time I think about it. One time, my best friend, and we're still best friends, I met him when I was 12. He moved when we were 15, and he flew back the following year after he had moved, and we got to spend a couple days together. And my mom took us back to the airport so we could fly home. And as I'm an awkward hugger, always have been, I don't know when I'm supposed to go in for one or how it's supposed (laughs) to happen. So I went to hug him, and I did this thing where I just sort of flung both of my arms straight out to the sides you know the you know how how you uh invite someone in for a hug but as i did Mm -hmm. it just flapped my arms out to the side i hit my mom in the face with the back of my hand (laughs) (laughs) all right kellen i have a last question for you all right what are the worst christmas gifts that have ever been given in your family uh The worst gift was someone tried to give me a Bill Watterson book I already had. (laughs) I got out of it very smoothly. (laughs) There was one odd gift that was re-gifted every year as like a joke that was, it was crazy (laughs) to me because I come from a very conservative Christian family, extended family uh, on my mom's side. And so we would always get together, aunts, uncles, cousins, And I remember as a small child, someone receiving this mystery gift, this white elephant gift of an inflatable woman in lingerie. Oh my gosh. And being so confused that like at this totally inappropriate thing, especially for children (laughs) around, but I know it was something that was even like breached like standards and everything for for everyone present. (laughs) For all the adults. But all the adults thought it was so funny. Oh man. Every year. My friend group does a white elephant and every year someone re-gifts the same very old container of body chocolate. Oh until i think finally someone ate it (laughs) oh Oh. (laughs) all right i see you're not the audience for this gag gift either (laughs) sounds like something that uh, leggy would use (laughs) i i did just have the thought that leggy i'm sure is also an awkward hugger I'm so curious though. What it, so what's well? I I know I told you this one year. I was woodworking and I tried to make a wooden goblet on a lathe and it broke and it looked so bad. It was like a bad goblet with just like a wooden rod sticking through the middle. It was so ugly. So I convinced my three year old brother Seth that I'd made him a wooden toy oh. and his name was Glebus. <laughs> And I gave it to him as this early Christmas present. And Seth was like, he was just like the sweetest little toddler. Mm-hmm. So I said, do you like Glebus? And he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, eventually he accidentally dropped Glebus in the fire. <laughs> but it became it became this like long running family joke. And so a couple years ago, my brother Jake 
carved me an exact replica of Glebus, <laughs> and that was my Christmas present. And at one point, I was like, I'm not sure I want Glebus. And my brother Paul said, no one wants Glebus. If you wanted Glebus, it wouldn't be Glebus. <laughs> there's like, there's no tradition so weird that it can't be a Christmas tradition. I don't know why, but on the Vance side, our Christmas tradition is that every Christmas Eve we eat enchiladas. <laughs> I guess because they're sort of like little food presents. <laughs> I think it's maybe because they can be red enchiladas or green enchiladas. Maybe that's where it came from. Oh. <laughs> and finally, real quick, a couple of just a couple of shout outs from recent shows that I performed at. And I'm sorry I didn't get everyone's name, but these are some people who went out of their way to come and see me perform. There was Sean in San Diego. And I apologize, Sean. I'm obviously pronouncing this. S-E-A-N. I know there are five other ways to spell it. <laughs> and in Des Moines, I met Alyssa and Angel and Ian, although Ian seems to be a second-tier fan because he said that he listens to the podcast when Angel does. Uh, but that still kind of <laughs> counts. <laughs> I hope that show was fun because we've been promoting that Iowa show longer than Iowa's been a state. <laughs> yeah. No, it was... It was a blast. Uh, yeah, two shows, one Friday, one Saturday. Um, Friday almost sold out and Saturday did. So I think that's a secret, yeah, is just uh, booking a year and a half in advance. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's wild? And this is no joke. This last week, I just booked a corporate gig, a private function in March of 2025. So, Oh, my gosh. I wish it was a real one so I could start plugging that right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can. You can encourage people to get work at that company. <laughs> That's enough time for them to switch their college major <laughs> so that it aligns with the company. Yeah. That company might not be in business in 15 months. <laughs> Where is this? It's actually in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. You don't know what the event is? About that. No, I don't know what it is about that state. That there is such <laughs> Wait, good early, early planners. Oh, whoops. Oh, yeah, the other one was Iowa. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst you could insult both of them. <laughs> I used to, as a joke, tell people that I grew up in Des Moines, Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> in my defense... Those two names are just inverted, right? It would be like if there was a state called Venada. Ohio. Venada. <laughs> Ohio, Iowa. It's, yeah, it's just, you got, you understand. All right, to recap, our favorite lessons from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. One, sometimes you just don't know why you like something. Two, is this character too weird for Christmas? Three, you don't have to be great at poems to write poetry. And four... For this year's holiday dinner, just don't forget those human enchiladas. Mm -hmm.